a lot of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Yeah, Hour number two here on this Monday, and we have got NFL football playoffs happening as we speak. We are live at the Westgate Las Vegas, traditionally our Friday home, and also... On uh, our special occasions, and we've been here the last few Mondays, of course, you know, with uh, the bowl games, New Year's Day, and then the championship game going back last week with uh, the college football playoff game. And today, since we've got Buffalo and Philadelphia as we speak, this game obviously postponed from uh, Sunday due to weather and the Buffalo Bills rolling over the Steelers 21 to 7 as uh, we approach halftime there. And then, of course, tonight. We've got the final game of the weekend as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Hour number one, we visited with T.J. Reeves, the Bucks sideline reporter. Gave us a live update from there. And as we get ready for Eagles and Bucks tonight, and now we also look ahead to the divisional round. So after these uh, two games get completed, we will know exactly who's going where. Uh, Marco D'Angelo, my tag team partner, handicapper extraordinaire, wagertalk.com. Go to wagertalk.com for Marco's plays. Doesn't matter the sport, Marco all over it. And, uh, of course, uh, our handicapper right here, along with Scott Spritzer, on the show each and every week. All right, Marco, let's uh, talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs here and the structure. I really have a problem with looking at these brackets. Uh, the NFL made a little, you know, tweak in the schedules, uh, you know, coming up here a couple of years ago when we went to one team in each conference getting the bye, not the two. We have seven teams in each conference now. The Green Bay Packers do a fantastic job, and they come in as the number seven seed, and they eliminate the Cowboys yesterday where they thoroughly dominated that game, 48-32. to 32. The Green Bay Packers... Instead of getting the Detroit Lions or someone else as, as the 2-7 seed, that's where they would go. But because they are the lowest-seeded team, they must go face the San Francisco 49ers instead. So you're moving brackets. So if you have a visual of you know the, the top half and the bottom half, you've got the Niners just sitting there with the bye. On the bottom half, you got the Packers, you know, 2-7. and Seven, seven beats two, you think, okay, great. You're rewarding, you know, them for their victory, and now they would, uh, you know, get the, you know, winner of the uh, Lions and Rams game. So that would be Detroit and Green Bay, team that they're very familiar with. They beat them on Thanksgiving Day. Instead, it gets reseeded because you want the 49ers, the top team, to face the, you know, lowest-seeded team. To me, this is wrong because you're punishing Green Bay and you're rewarding San Francisco, who already had a buy. So we know that you shouldn't say this, but basically they're getting two buys because they don't play in the first round, and now they get the team that barely qualified to get in, the last seed, number seven, and they get to play them at home. This is not right. I mean, this is supposed to be, you know, Kind of like March Madness. Your brackets are what your brackets are. Uh, just, I, I don't like it. And, you know, again, you're penalizing the Green Bay Packers and you're rewarding the 49ers. That's the whole key. I was going to just say to you, you know, the old saying, uh, six of one, half dozen of the other, or the glass is half empty, half full. You're looking at it from the team that's getting penalized. I can look at it and say, this gives you the incentive to go out and get the number one seat, to get home field advantage throughout. But only one team gets that. And, again, you're playing 17 games. It's a, the, the playoffs, like you said earlier, it's supposed to be, hey, reset, everybody's 0-0, zero zero, right? But 
you are just fighting an uphill battle. And again, it's never been this way. That's the problem I have. Why are we changing it all of a sudden now? You're just, okay, you're rewarding that number one seed. Number two seed has always had a buy, and now you're making them play. It just continues to reward number one. It does. But again, this is, you know, how many years have we been in this format now? It's only been a couple. Two. Yeah. So they had to ch- they had changed the structure because they changed the way they do the playoffs. Uh, I agree with you. I think they should stay seated the way they are, but it is what it is right now. A bracket is a bracket. It is. I have a bigger problem. <laughs> Why have brackets? Seriously. Right. I see what you're saying. To me, there's a bigger issue with the teams that play. There was only supposed to be two teams play on Monday. This was, you know, because of the weather with the Steelers played. The teams that play on Monday and have to come back and play on a short week in the playoffs, I think that's a that's a bigger travesty. And right. I understand why they're doing it because it's all about money. It's, it's getting TV. that stand, it's, it's getting that it's, yes. that standing loan game on Monday. I understand that, but that is not fair in any way to the team that wins on Monday. They're at a huge dis- disadvantage to come back on a short week. Why do we not play Monday night games the final week of the regular exactly, season? Exactly. And here's the thing. This is totally avoidable because you have three time slots that you can go to on Saturday and Sunday. We had we had a time slot that was open yesterday, right. you know, and it, and it got moved to, uh, to Monday, and now we have two games. But you didn't need to have the Eagles in Tampa Bay. That could have been in a time slot yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You could have played three games on Saturday, three games on Sundays the yeah. way they should, should have right. been done. But right. It's all about money, TC, and you know. And I'm not sure if Buffalo wins. Are they playing Saturday or Sunday next week? Do you know? Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. So if Buffalo wins, all right, Buffalo will we'll play be the, at home the late game. Yes, against the Chiefs, Saturday or Sunday. Sunday. Okay. So they have the last game of the weekend card, okay, which makes sense. What's Philly and Tampa? So the Philly-Tampa situation is uh, set for the first game on Sunday. Okay. So you know you're not, they're not going to play on Saturday. Right. And so I'm sure that people would love to see Green Bay and Baltimore uh, on Sunday. I mean, I'm sorry, Green Bay and San Francisco on Sunday, but that is your Saturday game. And then same thing with Baltimore. Baltimore gets the number one seed. Well, they got to play on Saturday. But uh, we've seen the NFL do this with the number one seeds. Okay, they didn't play a game, so let's let's have them play on Saturday and give the teams that have played a game as much rest as possible. So that's what you have. So right now you've got uh, Houston uh, playing Baltimore. That's what you got going right now. How about Houston on Saturday? How impressive was C.J. Stroud? We said it all all year long. This this kid continues to amaze me that he's a rookie and doing what he's done, especially you know coming into the and that's probably why he was the you know the second pick behind uh, Bryce Young. You know we're going to compare those two forever because they were one two in the draft, but the history of failures of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. It, this guy, you know clearly uh, is not in that same realm of the other uh, quarterbacks out of Ohio State. And to me, he's your, you know, your rookie of the year for what he's done and led that team. I would have been amazed if this team would have been two games under 500. I think you would have deemed the season a success, Mm -hmm. but instead they make the playoffs. And the one thing I said going into when we talked about that game on Friday, I said they had the advantage of basically already playing a playoff game. That final week of the season against Indianapolis, where winning you're in, that was a playoff game for them. And, you know, as good as Joe Flacco played for the Browns, and what a story that was, it's a shame that if, you know, it ended the way it did with his worst game as a Brown. But I said to you when we talked about that game, you know, if I'm Joe Flacco, I've only been there five weeks, I would have played him in the last week. Not sit him. You, you're you not fully immersed in the offense and get the reputation. I know you don't want to get somebody hurt, and the Detroit coach got a lot of flack for the tight end that got hurt You know, in the final week. But he ended up playing yesterday and, and was a factor and had catches. Play Joe Flacco. I don't, see, I don't agree with that because Flacco's 38 years old. 
Okay, he has not played a full season, only played five games, and you need him to rest. And especially if you're going to rest other people, you don't want to risk having your starting quarterback get hurt. You just can't do it. The, the Browns had nothing to play for, so I'm not buying that. Here here's, was my handicap in that game. As you know, I had Houston. Joe Flacco has been interception prone in every game and went over it on the best bets on Friday that he's thrown at least one interception in the last five games. Every game he's thrown at least an interception. He had a total of eight in those last uh, uh, five games. Well, he had two pick sixes yesterday against Houston. And to your point about C.J. Stroud, I've been very, very slow to give him the credit because of Ohio State, because being a rookie and waiting for him to blow up. But you know what? You know, I finally backed Houston. I haven't really backed them all year. I've just kind of stayed away or went against them. But I was on him because he made a believer of me. And uh, like I said, he's at home. He's playing a team that's kind of banged up, and I think that they're overrated, overvalued. And it was a great spot. So kudos to C.J. Stroud. He was great. 274 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And on the flip side of that, Flacco with the two pick sixes going the other way. Flacco was sacked four times. And the story of that game was the Houston defense. Yes, Houston put up 45 points, but again, you know, 14 to that, or 12 if you want to be technical, was from the defense. But they just outplayed Cleveland. And uh, Cleveland, again, a nice little feel-good story. And you always talk about fat and sassy. I think I, I touched it on Friday, too. You see how excited they were two weeks ago about getting in the playoffs? Like, they're partying the stands. They're partying the fields. Like, whoa, slow your roll a little bit here. You haven't done anything. Yeah, not, they haven't done anything yet. You got in, you know, here is a wild card. Just, uh, you know, and you guys are not healthy. You're you're missing two running backs. You got offensive line, defensive question marks. Yeah, I think it was a great spot for Houston. Didn't really expect 45-14, but uh, nice performance by the Texans. And D'Amico Ryans, kudos to him. Like him much better than Kevin Stefanski. Talked about that on Friday. Who's to say that Houston can't keep this thing rolling for a little bit? They're a dangerous team. Offensively, they've got, you know, they stretch the field. That That's the thing. And those wide receivers, uh, you know, that second-year uh, guy, name's blanking on me right now, Nico. Uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Unbelievable season that he's had. You want to talk about making a big leap from year one, one year to the next? He has done it. And him and C.J. Stroud are on, you know, they've got a chemistry going. They're going to be dangerous. They're hard out. I am surprised at the defense. The defense did shock me because that was the one thing whenever you bet the Houston games this year, and I was on Houston quite a bit, you know, offensively, you know, there were no problems. But there were games defensively that they almost were reminiscent of the Detroit Lions. They had to just outscore people who were giving up points. But give them credit in uh, – Kansas City on Saturday night. I don't. I know you were at the UNLV game Saturday, and then uh, eating a nice meal. I saw your pictures uh, uh, on social media there uh, with the coach. With the coach, we had yeah, a good, yeah. We had a good time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, the game uh, with Kansas City. They they came out early in that game and scored in. Uh, you know, I took a different approach on that game on a lot of the shows that I did last week. I took Kansas City team total over first half it was a low number it was 12 and a half you know and i said i i expected them to get 14 to 17 points in the first half and they got the ball to start the game and we see these good teams how often you know they have that the scripted plays to start a game we see that with san francisco all the time in kansas city's the same way they went right down the field got that opening drive and that set the tone we talked about that with the other games there's something about playing downhill versus playing uphill and when you're playing at home and you get that first score and you get the crowd into the game not to use a pun with the buffalo game as they're throwing snowballs right now but it is like a snowball rolling rolling down the hill it gains momentum uh as as it goes and uh that's you know again Get the ball. Grab the ball and go down the field. Make a statement. Yeah, everybody wants to try to have that daily double, yeah. you know, where it's like, okay, you get the last score, last possession of the first half, and then, hey, you get to receive the kickoff in the second half. And, again, the Packers did it too. They, they said, hey, we, we got the toss and we want the ball, and they went down and scored immediately. And 
we've talked about it so many times, and neither one of us are big fans of Dak Prescott, but he's a he's a different quarterback on the road, and he's a different quarterback when he's got to play from behind. He's a different quarterback when you play against a tough opponent. And I'm going to say it again. You heard me say it all year long. Dallas has been the easiest handicap for me all year long. When they play a tough opponent, forget about it. You go against. They got they play the soft opponent. You go get them. All right. Yesterday wasn't necessarily a soft opponent in the Green Bay Packers, but it was a team that they were favored by seven. They had the home field advantage, the number one offense. They were eight zero at home. It, they should have been able to beat the Green Bay Packers, especially in a game where Jordan Love is is making his first you know playoff start on the road against what was supposed to be a pretty good defense. And it just went backwards. What was my line when I was handicapping this game? You remember what I said? I said, don't screw it up, Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy. I said, I really like Dallas in this situation as long as Dak and McCarthy don't screw it up. The moment I came into to, to the Westgate today, I had a listener said, you called it. Yep. Don't screw it up. This guy was like like repeating what I said. And that's exactly what happened because I'm so sick of those two guys being an overrated coach and an overrated quarterback that you know going into it, it's like the play calling of McCarthy and his demeanor on the sideline and you know, just the way he handles these big game situations is not good. And Prescott cannot move, okay, under pressure. Forget about it. And and, and that and that's what happened. It's uh, it's just terrible. It it, it, it was if you're back in the Cowboys. And now here we go. I mean, it happened again. Uh, with those two guys. The Dallas defense was exposed, and let's throw some shade or whatever you want to say at the Dan Quinn, who's been getting so much love as the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. He got torched. You play man-to-man defense the majority of your entire season, and what do you do? You come out in this weak, soft zone, and Jordan Love, Jordan Love of all people, are picking you apart just picking you apart. And where's the adjustments? We've got to wait till halftime before we start going man-to-man. Still picked him apart because he, he stuck with that zone. And where's Dan Quinn today? Dan Quinn is out doing inter- head coaching interviews today because for five different jobs, he's a candidate for. What have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson? Look, look, look what he did. This guy was not a good head coach when he was a head coach. And his game plan was horrendous. Mike McCarthy's game plan was horrendous for an offensive side. I mean, call Dallas out for this nonsense. Kudos to Green Bay. They outplayed him. They put up 48 points. You know, Prescott helped him out with a pick six. No question. But this was a one-sided game, and you point to those two guys, McCarthy and Dak Prescott, for really showing up like we've seen in the past. Absolutely. But the one thing I'm going to give you a little bit of flack with is you got Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love was one of the best quarterbacks in the league over the last six weeks of the season. Statistically, he was. Against who? You can, only, on, play, you can only play who's in front of you. Yeah, and give Matt, right. give Matt LaFleur credit. He had a, you know, he's not a rookie, but rookie to the playoffs. This is his first season that he started. He did not shrink the, pl- the the playbook on him. He opened up the playbook. They come out chucking the football. And as I'm watching that game and it's unfolding, I'm sitting there saying to myself, who is the most miserable watching this game? Jerry Jones, <laughs> Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, or I'm going to put a fourth name in there, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Seriously. Do you, you know, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, his time came to an end. It was time for him to leave Green Bay. You know, I got tired of all the, you know, Aaron Rodgers nonsense. Too much drama. Okay. To see Jordan Love do that, what he did yesterday, whether it was against bad defense, Dallas Cowboys in wrong coverages, whatever it was, give the kid credit. His first playoff game, he no, you're lit, right. I'll give lit, him credit. The, I'll, lit them up. Yeah, he did. He did. He lit them up. I, I will give him credit. But again, when you have 
Marco, the wide open receivers. If you watch that game, and especially the replays, when you saw no one that is one, in the, the territory, you could have threw the you could have threw that exactly. I mean, yeah. telling you, but it was just repeated from the opening drive. That was on the defensive coordinator. That's on Dan Quinn. Now, if they're playing man to man, I mean, st- give me Stephon Gilmore against anybody. I'll take I'll take that defensive matchup. But when you play zone and you're passing off and you go, oh, Mr. Simon, Mr. Simon. You're asking guys to do something different than they've been asked to do all season long. So schematically, people need to realize, schematically, that was a mistake on Dallas. It wasn't all of a sudden, hey, Jordan Love this and that. If Jordan Love is throwing dimes, okay, into double coverage and the receivers winning those balls or whatever, okay, and then, you know, yes, credit to Jordan Love. But Jordan Love's going to get the credit today because of the score and his high completion rate. But again, if if you're playing against a defense that's a sieve, that's on the defensive coordinator and on the defense for not showing up. That's what I'm trying to say. We get too caught up. People get too caught up about numbers and and what the final result and what the final, you know, uh, score is and what you know, what what he did. How did he do it? Okay? How did he do it because he was beating the defense or because there were gapping holes because of blown defensive assignments oh obviously there were gaping holes there no question about it but i think you know maybe the thought process of why they did that is they wanted to give jordan look jordan love a look he hadn't seen yet on film trying and it backfired but what the difference between a good coach and a bad coach is when you have something, you go in with a game plan, and it doesn't work. You have to change the game immediately. Plan. Yes, you Not have wait till to make time. We're right. You have to make in-game yeah. adjustments, and they never made yeah. any adjustments, and it continued to burn them all uh, the whole game. I'm going to give you a basketball analogy here. Is my coaching analogy with basketball? So, if you you have a team, and you know you're facing a a team that plays great man-to-man defense, suffocating man-to-man defense, and you prep accordingly and say, okay, we've you know, we got to attack this. Then the opponent comes out in a 2-3 zone. Okay, The difference between man-to-man and 2-3 zone is 2-3 zones are very passive. All right? You're sitting back, whatever. And I come out and I say, well, wait a minute. You know, they're not pressuring us when we're bringing the ball up the court or once we get half court, we're not getting the smothering double teams or this that. They're going to lay back. Because, oh, we're going to give you a different look because you thought we were going to play a pressing man-to-man, so we're going to sit back at a 2-3. And I'm looking like, beautiful. You're going to leave up my my jump shooters wide open on the wing. We'll get to penetrate and kick out or whatever. We're going to attack those holes. I'm going, and this has happened in my coaching career. It was like, I love this. That's on you. So that is exactly the scenario yesterday with the, with the, the Packers. Jordan Love's going like, you're gonna play zone? Oh my God! You know I got I've got Dobbs wide open. Dobbs is open again. My tight end is open again. Are you kidding me? Why? Because you're trying to outsmart the opponent? Nah. You just you, you go and you attack that. So that's what I saw yesterday. And again, San Francisco is not going to do that. Oh. So now when Green Bay travels to San Francisco, which unfortunately they shouldn't have to, mm-hmm. they should be playing the Lions. You know, but since the NFL wants to re seed everything which is a joke jordan love will not have that uh, success against the niners if he does then i will come back next monday and say hey man this guy's won me over and this and that but you look at the games against the giants which was three four weeks ago he was awful uh and again he 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 was good i will give him the credit the numbers are great he took advantage of it but you saw the back foot throws you saw him you know you know high on a lot of throws but great catches by the wide receivers but those guys were wide open and then Dan Quinn is interviewing for head coaching jobs today because he's going to be a great head coach well he wasn't a great head coach first time around well, there might be an opening right where he's at right now <laughs> you know, yeah, what's, yeah. what's gonna what's gonna happen with Mike McCarthy I I have seen Jerry Jones upset a lot because yeah. we've seen this movie over and over again. Yeah. it's like watching Groundhog Day on Endless Loop but did you see him yesterday oh yeah okay uh, the shots of him in, you know, the owner suite, not good, uh, you know, and I I don't see how Mike McCarthy survives this. And the other thing I don't see, 
Dak Prescott again in a big game goes MIA. I, you know, I just he's not a good quarterback. He's just not good. He's not good. Again, decision making. He's not elite. He's not elite. He's not elite. No. He, he's not a bad quarterback. Right, right. But he's not a quarterback. You got to be elite could... to 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 win Super Bowls, go deep in playoffs. You need to be close to elite. He's the type of quarterback that you can't. You don't have the confidence that he can put the team on his back and take them down the field. Right. Like a Josh Allen. Like Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Okay? Those those kind of guys. And that's, you know, the difference. Like Tom Brady was his entire career. Yeah. Dak has not shown that at any point in time. In as I said, there's just too many big games that comes up. And we say, well, you know, the big games are the good teams that he's facing. It's it's combination of the good teams and Dak not being able to do the the big the big play. So we'll see what what happens uh, going forward with them. But I agree with you. San Francisco will have a much better game plan for Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. And you always always have to be weary of a team that wins a game as easily as they did yesterday in the forty eight thirty two final score. It was not even anywhere near that close. Dallas had a couple garbage touchdowns when they which were... I didn't see because I, I I turned off the game. Okay. I, I never saw those two two touchdowns. And like I said, still you lose by sixteen. Joke. And we didn't. We made a lot of fun about it on Friday, and we, we haven't talked about it at all today. But the streaming of the Kansas City Miami game on Peacock and. I can tell you that when I went to, you know what sports book I, I go and play poker on uh, Saturday night, it was wall-to-wall in the sports book, yeah. okay? Because everybody that did not have Peacock and wanted to watch the game were either at a bar that was carrying it or at your sports book, and every seat in the sports book was filled, and people were elbow deep behind the seats standing around Watching, watching the game. So yeah. it, it, it just it's exactly what we predicted, yeah. and we talked to Jay Cornegay here on Friday. The exact same thing. Hey, you're gonna, yeah. you know, and we uh, mentioned that to Chuck Esposito last week as well too. It's like, hey, you know, Chuck, you're gonna have you know people lined up, and we knew that was happening. Yeah, I just uh, and luckily for me, Marco, you know, I had dinner plans that night, and I was thinking, okay, I do I bring an iPad? Let me do this because. You know, the restaurant I was at, you know, they they didn't have it. You know, they, they, they didn't have it up there. So how are we going to do this? And uh, luckily, you know, the the Chiefs, and I had the Chiefs, you know, they jumped out to that big lead. I said, oh, I can just rest, <laughs> have dinner. And, you know, I kept checking my phone. I said, oh, 19 to 7, uh, 26 to 7. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. It's a great dinner. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry about it. But, yeah, that was very frustrating. We talked about it all last week. And then the postscript story here is, uh, yesterday we hear NBC just tooting their own horn saying it was the highest streaming game in history. Well, it's the only playoff streaming game in history, too. They're talking about how everybody was watching it. Well, you forced them to watch it. And how many of these people are going to cancel their subscription or they'll probably forget to cancel their subscription and they're going to get stuck paying for that garbage network or whatever you want to call it. Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it really a network if it's just a streaming service? I don't even know if it's a network. Hey, T. Yes, sir. NBC announced that the go- that, that the game was the most streamed event in U.S. history. There not, it is. Not just <laughs> okay. game, event. Yes. Yeah. Comparis- com- comparable to what? I don't know. They had 23 million. O- they had an audience of 23 million people. So, I mean, yeah. that's... And, and what? And what? Uh, how many million would be they have if uh, the game was on regular broadcast television on NBC? I don't know. Especially, well, that, I mean, that's, on a, paper, that, that's a big game. So yeah, yeah. That that was this. That was one of the sexier matchups. Granted, Miami was decimated with injuries, but when you looked at that, if I would have told you at the beginning of the season you're going to have a Miami Kansas City playoff game, you'd have been excited about that matchup. You know, that would have been if it would have been a regular season game which they did play in a regular season, yeah. but they played in Germany, that would have been a game that you would have thought would have been on Sunday night football or Monday night football. It was that kind of star power. Yep. I would love to see we, – we, nobody's going to talk about it. I want to see a month from now how many people 
canceled it after being one and done. You know, they paid their what was it five ninety nine a month, whatever, in to get that one game and say, you know, this isn't for me. But like you said, unfortunately, and that's how these companies survive that have recurring billing is people forget about it. It was or it's a hassle to. It was to do. embarrassing. Okay, to watch how NBC was promoting this. We talked about Mike Trico the week before because he knew that, okay, a lot of people don't realize this. You know, witness history. You know, you get Peacock. If you're watching the Houston-Cleveland game, and that game is over, all right, and then NBC, that game was supposed to be on NBC afterwards, the Kansas City-Miami game, and on the screen, they have a QR code. It a big, gigantic QR code in the bottom left of the screen. The top right, it's like... Only way you can watch this exclusively is on Peacock. Order now. And like you said, five ninety nine or whatever is a, a month. Or if you order for a year, 50% off tonight. It's like we're we're getting uh, some Ginsu knives here. That we you know order this now. I've never seen in a pregame show and leading up to it, 15 minutes to go with a countdown, 10 minutes to go, and there's a QR code for you to order this game because that's the only way you can see it. It's embarrassing. You forgot one other step they did. They started the game. They gave you a little bit of the game. It's like the old days whenever, like, oh, you yeah, have yeah. TV. Yeah. Did you ever rent a movie? They'll show you, like, the yes. first three, four minutes. They did that. The See, I was out the door. Okay. I went to, I went to dinner. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they did that, and then, you know, TV. So, wait, so you mean on NBC they started airing the game? Yes. No. They had, they had pregame, and there was, like, they had pregame. Up, up to kickoff. No, they they. They went past that a little bit. No. They gave you 20 minutes. They gave you no. to the bottom of the no, hour. Because I think we had the Channel 3 News on. No. I don't think. No, no. They gave you kickoff, or they gave you up until just at kickoff. Wow. Really? Yeah. And so, just for reference, the Browns-Texans on well, end. 515 was kickoff. No, no. They said they had it on because I was going out, and I had to try uh-huh. to find a game for Lori yeah. to, to watch the game. And I'll tell you how I got that off the air. But I did get her the game, okay? And uh, You pulled a nunchuck. Okay, I, I got her the game. She watched the game. She was very happy because, you know, she's Taylor Swift and she's, you know, Travis uh, Kelsey. Yeah. yeah, she's in there waiting. Oh, please cut away to the suite. I want to see the 87 jacket. Oh, there she is. There she is. And wait another eight minutes. Oh, there you, she is. You missed the best highlight of the whole game, though, because you were out. What? You missed her leading the entire stadium in the dance. You yes. had to see it on I saw Twitter. The, yeah, replay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like, the highlights, I saw that. Yeah. That was her leading? You well, sure? she was in the yeah. – She was in. They, Excuse me, you said that I missed the best highlight? Did yeah. you see the pictures of my food? Did you see that? <laughs> I had the best highlight, my friend. <laughs> I had the New York steak. Are you kidding me? With the soup? You had the wings. Oh, my, I, I, that's what I – The wings? The wings. The yeah. world-famous one. I had that going yeah. on. Introduced Pistol Pete to that with the mashed potatoes and the French fries and the strawberry dessert. That was his first trip to to that restaurant? Yes. Oh, I thought he had been yes. in town before and you no, took him there. No, we never went. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, T, for, for reference, yes. the Browns Texan on NBC earlier in the day yeah. got $29 million. Okay, $29 million, So right? you're about the same. And that's the thing. But, that was a dog game in the middle exact, of the afternoon. Yeah. Okay, so you you wait for the you know the the game tonight and see what that's going to do, or you wait, you know uh, you know the game yesterday afternoon. That's what I'm saying. They're making a big deal about streaming. It's going that's a regular game. If it's on broadcast TV, I mean you get those numbers. So yeah, that it's skewed. All right, we come back. We'll uh, wrap things up here at the Westgate. Buffalo rolling over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, the Buffalo looks like they will be uh, advancing. And then we've got the Eagles in Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll handicap that game for you coming up. And also, we'll give you the latest news on the NFL coach watch. Uh, no official hirings or firings as of yet today. But we'll tell you who is interviewing where as we continue on here on this magnificent holiday Monday. NFL playoffs. T.C. Bar Marco D'Angelo right here inside the Westgate Las Vegas. The Superbook. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. Here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook, T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo. If you any part of the show, go to the website, check everything out, tcmartinshow.com. Tomorrow, back in studio for a terrible Tuesday. 
and some plenty of terrible Tuesday takes uh, coming your way. And uh, just be prepared for me to rant and r- tomorrow regarding what I witnessed Saturday afternoon at the Thompson Max Center. Oh, the way UNLV lost to Utah State. I didn't see it. I saw your tw- I saw your tweet on Saturday. Did not yeah. did not see the game. I didn't watch any of it, but uh, sounded pretty bad. Since you're here, I think I will just go ahead and tomorrow would almost be kind of a repeat because it it, it, w- it was so so upsetting. And I bring something up like that. I hate to you know tease it and all that kind of stuff, but it, it it's very relevant because we're two days later. UNLV's playing Utah State. Utah State is ranked 20th in the country. UNLV lost the game due to incompetence of the officials with two errant and horrendous calls. I am not one to rip on officials. I'm, I'm not, I, I hate playing that card. You never hear me say cons- conspiracy theory, anything of that nature. Because that wasn't the case. But what I really have a problem with when officials either misuse their use of power or they just don't know the rules, don't apply the rules correctly, that's what infuriates me. That was exactly the case in this. Now, a lot of people do not really know the rule book, so to speak, that you're watching the game. All right? To really diagnose the rule book, you either have to, you know, be a coach, former coach, whatever, or a ref, or really know certain things because there are sometimes there are things that that happen in a game that are so rare, you question like, mm, is that right? Is that wrong? Or whatever, and that happened in the game on Saturday. So to reset it for you, there's 31 seconds to go, and UNLV's led wire to wire. They had a double-digit lead, ready to pull the upset, and they really needed this victory because they come, they came off the New Mexico win, which was another great win. They were like a top twenty-five team at the time, so you got a chance to knock off two, you know, two top twenty teams back to back on your home floor. UNLV's up six. The sh- shot is put up by Utah State. They miss. Ball is. Goes out of bounds, and the referees signal Utah State basketball. UNLV players going, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. It's clearly went off a Utah State player, which it did. And our friend Pete Gillen, who's on the call, I was actually sitting kind of midcourt, front row, UNLV. Pete's over to right at midcourt, so I'm about 10, 15 feet. And I could actually even hear him and Carter Blackburn with that, with, you know, talking we're looking at it. you're seeing the UNLV players going no 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 it's it's our ball it's our ball so they go to the replay show the replay and then clearly they say they use the terminology it's clearly UNLV's basketball because it went off a Utah State player a five minute review for this one play five minutes and the officials come back and they go Utah State basketball like okay how can you miss this you can see that it went off a Utah State player. You can see the change of direction. Just a joke. So sure enough, what happens? Utah State inbounds the basketball, fires it to the corner, open three, kid hits it. Now it's a three-point game. All right? So now UNLV has the basketball. 27 seconds left, so Utah State fouls. Now it's a foul game. So Don Thomas gets fouled. He makes one and misses one. So now the lead is UNLV by four. Utah State comes down. Clock's winding down. Kid hits a three-pointer for Utah State. Goes through. And then referee blows the whistle and calls a foul away from the ball near the top of the key while Keelan Boone for UNLV is attempting to screen out a Utah State player. The Utah State player falls down. It was not a foul, no real contact at all, but this official, away from the ball, signals foul. Bucket counts, and now they signal that that Utah State player that was fouled, not the shooter, but the center, gets two free throws. 
that is the incorrect call. And you're shaking your head like you know what I'm talking about. And a lot of people know, and other people don't know. You can only have a maximum of one free throw off a made bucket. Okay? Two-point shot and one. The terminology has three points. Three-pointer, foul, four-point play. Can't have a five-point play. This is where people were, were getting confused. Is like, okay, well, it wasn't on the shooter. Two shots. The rule is this. That in that encompass of that play, that it can only be, when you have a made shot, a maximum of one point. For one free throw can be awarded, not two. The only case two two free throws can be awarded if it's a dead ball foul after the play is complete, or if it's a flagrant foul or a technical foul, then you would get you know two free throws plus the ball. In that case, you could have a seven point play on a max on a three, which we have seen happen before. So nobody questions this. Even I was talking to Pete Gillen afterwards. He goes, I didn't say anything on the air. I thought it was kind of weird, this, that. So I'm going ballistic, saying you know, this this is not right. Kevin Kruger didn't say nothing. No one, you know. So apparently a, a reporter asked, I guess, after the game and got a hold of one of the officials. And the official came back and said, well, no, it is a two-shot foul because once the ball was released, the ball is in the air. And then if there's a foul away from the ball, then – it's two shots, and that is incorrect. So I went back, and I know what the rule is because we've never seen this situation before. It's always, okay, you one free throw. It's just common knowledge. I went back to the rule book when I got home, and it was right there, right there. You know, it's a maximum of one free throw. It does not matter if the ball is in the air or not, okay? And here's the example that I'll use. When do you determine whether it's an and one or it's two shots? When do you determine that? If the bucket goes or not. Right. Okay. The completion of the play is once it goes through the hoop. Doesn't matter if it's in the air. Okay. Where, okay. It's if it happens during the course, the conclusion of the result of that basket or not. And that's where that official was wrong. Totally wrong. So therefore, it's now five point play. They go up by one. UNLV inbounds the basketball. Deion Thomas gets up a 15-footer, rims out, no good, and UNLV loses by one. Where they should have been awarded one free throw, and then UNLV gets the last shot, tie game, or it goes to overtime. But that was an errant call. It was a horrendous call going back to the, you know, going to replay and then making that wrong call, but, again, not knowing the rules. Let me ask you this is – if Kevin Kruger would have challenged, could have protested, could have protested. At that, at that if, I, if that's me, I'm saying, okay, wait, wait, wait. And the officials are not listening to what I'm saying or not granting a conversation, right? They ought to go to the score table and say, this game is under protest. So that would have been after the fact, though, the protest. The heat, there's, there's nothing in there where you can cha- they can challenge and look at, you know, when the foul occurred on a replay that it did go after the, you know. You could look at that, but if you have the officials that, that think that the rule is if it's in the air, you know what I'm saying? But you could tell because the whistle went off before the ball went, went through the hoop. And it's like, okay. And first of all, it wasn't even a foul. Now, that's debatable. But, again, once it's complete and then a guy's getting a shoving match or something like that, or somebody's jostling, takes a shot at somebody while the ball is it okay, that's flagrant. You can only assess two shots. So this is the, the principle here. You can only assess two shots if it's a flagrant foul or a technical foul, which it wasn't. It was a common foul. Not good. Yeah, it, it, it's too bad that you lose a game, and especially when UNLV led – for 39 minutes and 52 seconds. This happened with eight seconds to go. And for UNLV, and that's the thing, you know, we, you mentioned the game briefly on you know Friday because you said you were going to be there. That is a big game for UNLV because in the past, what we've ended up having is UNLV would have a big game, and then generally the next game, they'd be flat. 
We've right. seen that yes. over the course of the years. And this was the first time that the New Mexico, like you said, was a big game that they got the win the other night, and then to come back and have an opportunity in your very next game on a telecast game. CBS is in town. Mm-hmm. They're bringing the you know Pete Gillen in to do you know to do the game. That was big for not only this season, but big for the program of trying to get yeah. UNLV back on the map. We talked about how they had to open, you know, with these five tough games. You know, you open against San Diego State, you lose that game, then you beat New Mexico, you you know, should have beat Utah State, you had the game there, and then now you gotta go on the road, you have to have these two home games, and you gotta go to Colorado State and Boise State. I mean that's tough. So now all of a sudden you're looking at it could they could be one and four in conference when they very easily could have been two and two riding that momentum. And yeah, that's tough. It was it was a it was a heartbreaker. And again, don't complain when it when it comes to stuff like, well, you know, you know, that's it. You know, it's like an inadvertent whistle or something like that or something like that. I mean, it's but this is even worse when you have replay and you don't utilize replay properly. I mean, how anybody can see whether you're watching the game live, you're watching it on TV, clearly see that the ball is 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 off of Utah State. But if you're going to hang to that, well, we called Utah State, so we have to go, you know, Utah State ball, so it has to be clear and concise. Well, it was clear and concise, and, and you know, so that was where it started. And then, you know, again, just. You know, being making was, a bad call. There was so much going on Saturday with the football games and everything else. Um, what was the crowd like at Thomas and Mac? They announced 5,000. Um, so, again, it was okay. It was decent. But, you know, for a game like that, you, you wish that it would be more. You know, but it was a 12 noon start. Uh, for me, I enjoyed it because then I, I got a chance to, you know, get home and see most of the – the Texans uh, Cleveland game and that sort of thing. So I was kind of glad it wasn't at night, but they did it, you know, for, for television purposes and that sort of thing. Um, I do feel bad because I, uh, uh, my girl, Mickey Sudo was in town or the world's greatest uh, female competitive eater, hot dog champion, eight years straight. And, uh, she was in town at bagel mania, uh, over on convention center. And I was supposed to, uh, try to get over there to, but that was at 11 o'clock in the morning. Joey Chestnut was there. I mean, oh, and everybody was there. Uh, my man George Shea did not make the trip. And um, so I didn't get a chance to go over there. Uh, and that was trying. It's just too much going on. But uh, pretty pretty cool. I understand they had a, a good time and a great crowd over there. And was uh, I blame Nunchuck. was supposed to have Mickey Sudo on uh, the show last week. But we got all- Don't be blaming me. <laughs> I gotta blame somebody. Over no, under, my, totally many, my fault. Totally how many wings could she eat at Blue Ribbon? Yeah, that's funny. That's you know because it, those wings fill you up. They fill you up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But whatever the whatever the number is, it it she would skyrocket over it. That's what she does. I don't think it matters. Do you I mean, think she holds so many records for so many different types of foods? Is there a record right now that you can think of that somebody has done so many? At Blue Rib, at that place. Well, they don't have those type of competitions. Well, I know they don't. But, have that. Uh, but you know, what's the most that the doctors ever thrown down? I've done a whole bucket, which is six, and I've gone for a second bucket, but I've never said okay. See, here's the thing: when I get the bucket like by myself, okay, that's six. That that's the end of it. In usually, when I get multiple buckets then it's like it's a shareable thing, so I don't want to go too crazy. So, But if you put me in, in a situation like how many of those I, I, I could eat, I bet I could do 12 to 15 or 16 in one sitting. D'Angelo? I don't – I've never even so thought true. about this before, but yeah. I'm just, you know. Yeah. I don't need as much as – in my younger days, I, I – would easily be able to do the dozen and and some. Remember back. Those in, are big though. They, they are. They, and those I get the are, drums. Those are bigger. And I get drums too, guys. Remember, so the normal order is half flats and half drums, three and three. I they I always do the drums. See, I love the flats. Do you? If you, yeah, drums. If, okay. if you drums. Yeah. You give me the choice. I'm taking the flats all day. Okay, long. so when we go, which you know you're, you're buying, as as you well know, uh, do you want one bucket of flats and one of drums, or do you want to just do the traditional three and three of each? 
Well, it depends on what else. And that's just the appetizer. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. you know we're getting the steak afterwards. Yeah. The, I enjoyed the ribs the last time we were there. The ribs are good, too. The yeah. ribs are good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the steak's good, but I, there's so many places around town that I can get steak. Yeah, I understand. Right. Okay. You're those right. are... I like to get unique items yes. from a place like that. So I would probably mix the steak, or especially you, if I was paying. The seafood <laughs> is very good, too. Yeah, but see, you're not a seafood I know, person. but well, you. Yeah. You would like the seafood, yeah. like the Branzino, and they say it's, I don't eat it, but I, you know, I know. gone you're with people, food, they love it. food snob. No, not really food snob. I mean, I have tried to, you're not remember, a true I, I've tried a lot of things at, at, at that place, but just in the shareables that we would get. So I've. I've tried probably about eight, ten items. Well, probably even more than that. But by definition, you're not a true foodie, no. though, because there's too many things that you absolutely well, turn yeah, your nose I, off. I, I agree with you with that. Yeah, but I, I don't need to have a, a t-shirt or a label, you know, that says I, I'm a foodie. But if it did, it'd have a brand logo on it, and have like the official NFL logo foodie or something, you know? It, Nike would endorse it, probably. Who knows? Or, you know, if there was a national food, you know, foodie network, uh, you know, and, and have a logo right in the center of it. Or like in the, or up in the side, you know, team captain-like, you know, I don't know. Team captain-like. Yeah. You know, we have the patch, you know. In the I corner. know what you're meaning. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Good question, though, Chuck. But maybe we should go, like, really starving and just see how many we get down. I've never even took that approach at Blue Ribbon. Shout out to Johnny, everyone at Blue Ribbon. Uh, and, and you know who's the real shout out to today, ladies and gentlemen? Shout out to CBS for picking up the tab. <laughs> Thank you, CBS, because we put a hurting on them. We put a hurting on CBS. That bill was over three bills. Over three bills. So your streak's still alive. Still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Are we closing in on Cal Ripken? <laughs> Consecutive meals with having. I think that's already been passed. No, I don't know about that, guys. I do. I do go to the wallet, you know, reluctantly at times, you know. (laughs) I don't know. There's two things. I've I've heard of Bigfoot, and I've heard of your wallet. I haven't seen that. It sounds like I'm on the, uh, you know, the mule planner here because Marco says, "Well, you know, since I'm buying, I'm not going to get steak." (laughs) I see parameters on here. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. All right, I want to thank Marco for being here, of course, my friend. We'll uh, do it again on Friday, right back here. I'll see you then. All right, uh, put that Steeler shirt away. Told you you should have wore Buffalo because you know what it is. They're driving. They're driving. Take you back door to cover here. (laughs) For Nubchuck back in the studio, everyone here at the Westgate, we're back here Friday, back in studio tomorrow, terrible Tuesday, and a whole lot more coming your way, 2 to 4 p.m. Have yourself a great evening. Enjoy. The final game tonight of the playoffs, and we'll recap it all tomorrow.